Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Welcome back to the Relatable Voice podcast. Today, the RV is en route to Mexico City for the first time to speak with Stephen Howard. Stephen comes from marketing and sales background and is an award-winning author of 22 leadership business and motivational books. His latest book, Human Leadership, Mindsets, Skills and Behaviors for being a successful people-centric leader is out now. So welcome, Stephen, to the Relatable Voice. Well, thank you. I look forward to the ride. <laughs> yes, it's my pleasure. It's my first time in Mexico City. You are originally from Las Vegas. That's Well, I grew up in Las Vegas. I was actually born in Chicago, but grew up in Las Vegas uh, right through uh, high school and university, and then uh, left and went out into the real world. And also, you've lived and worked in Asia and in Australia and are currently in Mexico City. What is your favorite thing about living there? Uh, food, food, and more food, <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> and uh, just not just Mexico City, the whole country of Mexico has different cuisines in different parts of the country. And it's fun to travel around and, and just try the, the different cuisines. And uh, in fact, at the holiday season coming up, I'm going to two new places I have not been to. And so I look forward to enjoying more Mexican food uh, around the Christmas period. As you said, there are many different ways to prepare Mexican food. And you know, I love all of them. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm trying to learn. <laughs> and back to your childhood, what do you miss the most about Las Vegas? Uh, probably the warmth. I'm a warm, I'm a warm weather person. I enjoy, I grew up in Las Vegas. I've been living in Palm Springs, California before I moved to Mexico. So I like the dry desert climate, uh, the cool evenings during the winter, the hot days during the, the days, the summers don't bother me. Uh, so I think that's what I miss the most, particularly right now when it's only about 16 degrees in Mexico City. So I, I miss the warmth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now it's, it's winter time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Stephen, your background is in marketing and sales. Yes. How did you get into leadership, leadership training, mentoring, and coaching? Uh, that's a wonderful question. And, and uh, there's a Chinese proverb that says, we 
teach what we must learn. And when I was working for a major U.S. bank in Singapore, I was vice president of marketing. One of the policies of the company, really good policy, was all the vice presidents had to teach twice a year programs, uh, whether they're IT programs or financial programs. And so I was selected to teach a program called Managing People. And uh, so I learned a lot of my managing people skills by learning how to teach that program for several years. And uh, so that, and then when I left the bank, I continued to teach uh, leadership programs for a couple different companies and then uh, started creating my own leadership content. And then you know, my, my original books were on marketing and uh, quotations, personal development. And then now my books are all about leadership. So I've kind of made that segue in my career over the years. That's amazing. So basically you provide motivation, emotional support and role modeling is what a leadership training does or is there more things that you want to tell us? I think it's I think those are the key things. Motivation is certainly one. Delegating is is an area that um, many, particularly first time leaders, are uncomfortable with. And so a lot of my coaching of first time leaders is around becoming comfortable with delegating, learning how to delegate. Uh, and then the one thing that almost all leaders are very poor at these days uh, and have been for years is feedback um, because they haven't been taught how to do really good people, effective feedback. And uh, so I spent a lot of my time, a good portion of the new books talks about uh, a feedback process, uh, changing your mindset around feedback. You know, people, for years, we were taught that there was positive and negative feedback. I advocate, my philosophy is that if your intention is to help somebody improve their performance, their results, improve their competency, their capability, or even their confidence, then there's nothing negative about that. So change your mindset. There's, so I say there's no such thing as negative feedback. There's enhancement feedback, how you can help somebody improve their performance, but that's not negative. And if you have a mindset that I'm going to give, no one wakes up and says, I can't wait to give, I can't wait to give Lucia negative feedback this morning. Nobody wakes up with that. And so people procrastinate. People don't want to give feedback. And so um, basically what I'm saying is change your, change your mindset around it and you'll get better at sharing feedback, uh, which is another mindset change. People think that they give feedback which connotates kind of a one-way conversation, really you should share feedback. You should share the feedback at the other person's perspective, balance your viewpoint with asking questions about them or to them uh, and have a dialogue about it, have a dialogue around performance improvement. So uh, yeah, so that's uh, some of the things I do. It's a lot. And what are the benefits of leadership development training programs? For example, for the company. Typically, you'll get higher employee engagement. A good leader either focuses on delivering results or on their people. And usually, you know, they're a nice, kind person. They're friendly. Everyone wants to work for that, that boss because that, they're a people boss. A great leader, as I define it, does both. They focus on delivering results and focus on their people. And development is of the team is not just 
formal training programs or or sending someone off to a, a, what we call a training event. It's that constant coaching. It's that mentoring. So one of the things I do is I coach leaders on how to be coaches, how they can coach their staff, how they can mentor their staff, uh, how they, like I said before, how they can provide ongoing effective feedback to develop people. And if you do that, you're going to get higher employee engagement. You're going to get less employee attrition. So we all know about the great resignation for the last 18 months or so. You, if you're doing that, one of the reasons for the great resignation is people said, I have not been developed, particularly Generation Z. They said, you know, if I'm not being developed, if I'm not being, if I'm not growing in my job, I don't want to work here anymore. I'll find some some place else to work. So you'll you'll reduce your your employee attrition, which obviously reduces some costs. You'll get higher employee engagement. You'll get better creativity better innovation. Uh, you'll have uh, less drama in the workplace, um, higher collaboration. I mean, I could go on and on. There's just so many benefits of this. Um, but this is, a, it's so critical. But unfortunately, company leaders are short-sighted. And the two things they cut in, uh, in down periods, recessions or economic downturns or in pandemics are their training budgets and their marketing budgets. And those companies that did that are suffering today from the great attrition. They're suffering from lower customer loyalty. Uh, they're having to price discount to get customers back. And so short-sighted leaders get short, short-term poor results, which is a shame. And let's talk about your book. So I'm sure you talk about it in your books, not only one book. But your latest book is called human leadership so Stephen, what does human <laughs> means exactly well humanity is a word i created it combines human humanity and harmony and i, I created the word you won't find it in the dictionary yet but hopefully someday it will be but it's there to emphasize that um we lead people and the need to lead people and the need for leaders to create workplaces of, of wellness and harmony. And when I when I was doing research for the book and I would ask people, tell me about the harmony in your workplace. They laughed. They said, There's no such thing as harmony. We don't have harmony. We're lucky if we don't have drama or some people would describe harmony as the lack of drama. And uh, I said, no, no, no. This is, you know, it, it, think of harmony as flow. You know, you know, personally, you've written a book, you know, when you're doing something, and all of us, when we're in flow, we lose track of time, we're fully concentrated, uh, the brain is working, we're creative. Um, thinking now, think if you could get your team, you had a team, whether it was four people or 40 people working in harmony together, collaborating, tossing ideas around, helping each other, uh, willingly helping each other. That's harmony. And if you could get harmony in the workplace, again, it goes back to those benefits I talked about earlier, higher engagement, more innovation, more creativity. Uh, people wouldn't have to work so many hours. Um, so that's what human, a human leader does is try and bring that harmony, create harmony in their with, with whatever part of the business that they can influence, whether it's their team, their department. Or whatever. So I wrote the book. It's not just for CEOs and CFOs or like that. It's it, anybody who's a leader. And I, I define the leader as somebody who leads people. And so if you're a first time supervisor, a first time manager, a second line leader, uh, an entrepreneur, whatever you are, this book is for you. Actually, I was looking in the dictionary and I didn't find it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, 
not yet. <laughs> no yet. Not Hopefully yet. someday. <laughs> what does a people-centric leader look like to you? Uh, well, let me start with what doesn't look like. And uh, first of all, it doesn't look like Elon Musk in today's yeah. world, but uh, not at all. <laughs> He's the antithesis of, of a human leader. But here's the premise of the book. Managing people is a 1980s construct. It's it's no longer applicable or relevant in today's world. Nobody wakes up anymore and says, I can't wait to be managed today. And they certainly don't wake up and say, I want to be micromanaged by my boss. So the philosophy behind the concept of human leaders is that you, you manage things, you manage processes, you manage policies, you manage procedures, but you lead people. And so that's what a human leader is or a people-centric leader, puts people first. Uh, an example of that, if I was to ask you or, or your business or anybody's business, tell me about your the, the people costs that you have or, the, the, or if you're working on a new project, what will be the people costs of this project? Everyone's first thoughts go to salary, overtime, workers' compensation, medical benefits, leave. And I said, okay, that's a good start. That's the financial people cost. But the true people cost is, is if you're asking people to work 60 hours a week, what is the impact on their health? What is the impact on their mental well-being? What is the impact on their family life? What is their impact on their stress levels? Um, why do we see so many incidents of rage in the workplace? These are your true people costs. And so a leader, a people leader will think of those first and think, well, wait a second. Do I really, you know, what what if we what if we delayed this thing by three weeks and people wouldn't have to work overtime? Or what if we what if we put more resources behind this so we're not stressing people out? People are not missing, you know, their their children's activities. Um, you see, one of the I think silver linings that came has come out of the pandemic is that good leaders, people-centric leaders, have started to understand that people have responsibilities outside the workplace. Now, we've, we've talked for years about work-life balance, and we say, oh, yeah, we know people have lives outside work, but, you know, lives are like secondary. Yeah, the, yeah, they have their hobbies, they have their families, they have this, but that's secondary to work. Now, people have responsibilities outside work, whether it's caring for elderly parents, whether it's their school, schooling for their children, uh, whether it's their community activities. I mean, somebody's volunteering in their community, they, they consider that one of their responsibilities. And so a people-centric leader will understand that and will respect that those that people have those responsibilities and will help work with the individual so you can work around so they can handle both. That would be that would be harmony. People need harmony in their lives, not just in the workplace. So if you can allow people to harmonize their lives and you know maybe take some hours off now to handle those responsibilities or work from home at certain periods of time or whatever it happens to be so that they can handle their work responsibilities and handle their outside work responsibilities. That's a people-centric leader. That's what it looks like. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family 
cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it's like to put your people at the heart of everything you do at the heart and, and and at the forefront of your mind your 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 mental your rational aspect of it you're thinking of it in both terms absolutely during the last two years there have many changes to the way we work and live how has the world of leadership changed as a result of the pandemic Oh, you got two hours? Give me one. Let's talk about workplace wellness. Uh, if you go back five, seven years or so, when we talked about workplace wellness, if we actually really didn't talk about, it, we would talk about uh, health and safety in the workplace. And it was all about minimizing workplace accidents and workplace deaths. Well, today, a leader today has to understand that helping people with their well-being is goes beyond that. It's their mental well-being, uh, their emotional well-being. Uh, we have to be able to talk to that. One thing that leaders have to do is be more proactive in this area. And and here's why. There's a stigma around mental well-being and emotional well-being. An employee has an upset stomach. Yeah, they can go to their boss and say, oh, I think I got food poisoning. I need half a day off. Sure, go ahead. Understand. Um, if um, a, a employee is really tired or, or exhausted and they say, okay, take some time to, you know, relax. But if an employee or an employee has a migraine headache, yeah, take a half day, you know, whatever. If an employee comes to a boss and says, you know what, I'm feeling kind of down. I'm kind of anxious. I'm, maybe I'm even a little depressed today. I need a half. I need a mental rest day. Oh, come on, pull up your socks, push through it. You know, that don't be a weakling. There's a stigma associated with this, which is a shame. And so last year, Gallup organization came out with research that showed 42% of women and 33% of men were unwilling to go to their direct manager or supervisor with to discuss issues of mental wellness and mental unwellness and mental well-being. And it didn't matter if the boss was the same gender or not. So this is not a gender issue. It's not like a woman reporting to a man or a man reporting to a woman. It's because of the stigma associated with this. So one of the things I tell people, bosses, and I actually put it in the book as well, there are six major early warning signs of burnout. I encourage all leaders, go Google, go Google early warning signs of burnout, know what they are, notice those in other people and be proactive. This idea of, of uh, oh, I tell my people to come to me when they're, when they're overworked or they're exhausted. I just said 42% will not do that. 33% of men won't do that. So um, you can't just say that you have to be more proactive. So that's one key. Two, well, two areas, the wellness and then being proactive about the workplace wellness and the employee well-being are two major things that have changed coming out of the workplace or coming out of the pandemic. Mental health needs to be taken seriously. Yes. 
Yeah. I, I saw research the other day that like 75% of adults have had a mental health issue over the last two years. And whether it was a short term for a few hours or for several months, 75%. That means three out of every four people that you work with, um, including yourself, yeah. may have had some kind of mental health issue. And I, I, you know, again, that word mental health is again a stigma. I, I try and say to people, think about mental unwellness. It's not that there, it's not, it's like, it's not like it's long term, but, you know, just waking up full of anxiety. I mean, you know, how many parents these days drop their kids off at school in the United States, particularly drop their kids off at school and then wonder, is this the last time I'm going to see my children? I mean, you know, that's sad. But, you know, how many parents have, you know, leave and go to work with that anxiety? Like, oh, my gosh, I hope nothing happens at my kid's school today. Well, that's reality. And people are coming to the workplace with the anxieties about that, the anxieties about, you know, the, the flu season coming up. You know, what if we have another strain of coronavirus? Um, what if what if my parent, you know, what if my elderly parents get sick again? How am I going to handle that? You know, there are so, so much stress in the world and people bring that. They don't leave that in their car. When they come to the office, if, if they come to the office or they don't leave that in their bedroom, if they're working from home in the kitchen, those stresses are with them all the time. And leaders have to understand that. Yeah, exactly. What does the future of leadership look like to you after all that you told us? Uh, the future of leadership is going to be constantly changing you're going to be leading in times of ambiguity and uncertainty and the ability to lead during times of ambiguity and uncertainty is going to be one of the most critical leadership skills going forward. And, and that means how part of how you do that is how you build resilience in yourself. And how do you build resilience in your individuals, on your team? Because um, resilient people will build resilient organizations. Uh, and I think, again, um, I think one of the things that's going to change, My uh, I, I kid about this, but I say sometimes my favorite philosopher is Yoda from the Star Wars movies. Uh -huh. But to paraphrase Yoda, you know, I'm telling leaders that they need to unlearn management and relearn to be human. It's okay. And that means being a little bit more humble. That means admitting that you don't know everything. You don't have all the answers, which uh, if you're over 40 or 45 years of age, is going to feel very uncomfortable because you've been very successful as a leader with that almost macho, I'm the boss. I have all the answers. I'll give you, I'll tell you what to do. You can't have all the answers in today's world. And uh, so constant learning, continuous learning, a what some people call growth mindset is going to be a, another critical skill of leaders going forward. So leadership is changing drastically. Uh, and look, those of you out here in your audience who are 45 plus and have been successful, you want to keep doing it the old way. You'll be successful for the next couple of years, but you're going to pay a high cost for that. You're going to pay a high cost in low employee engagement, and you're going to pay a high cost in high employee turnover. Um, so you don't have to change if you don't want to, but it's going to be it's going to be costly if you don't. And it's only after a couple of years, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to get frustrated. So leaders need to change. They need to become, as I say, human leaders and become people centric leaders. Thank you. Your response was just fantastic. Still. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. I believe in this. <laughs> yeah. And also, I would like to know. 
are you currently working on anything you would like to share? The book only launched a couple months ago, but yes, I've already started drafting. Um, I'm actually working on two things. I'm working with a a, a friend in uh, in the United States, uh, a former employee of a, a major multinational company, former leader there. We're looking at co-authoring a book, uh, and I've also just started outlining um, my next book. is actually going to be a series of, of short books, 80, 85-page books on individual topics, so kind of a tips books for, for leaders. on. And uh, I will start working on that on the uh, 9th of December. So I've got, uh, what, seven, seven, about 16 days, just over two weeks to to get my mind before I start working on that one. <laughs> there are many things you are doing. And do you have time to enjoy Mexico? Do you have spare time? Oh, absolutely. Well, like I said, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, my, my girlfriend and I are traveling around the holidays. Uh, you know, like I said, we're going to go to two different places uh, in Mexico. Uh, we're going to go up to uh, Veracruz for four days and uh, enjoy that, which is in the northeast part of Mexico. And then we're going to go sort of Mexico City, I guess, a little slightly southeast down to a beautiful city called Mereda uh, after uh, the New Year. For a few, so yeah, we take time off, but uh, I'm a morning person, so I will still be working. I, I'll get up at five o'clock the morning and, and write for two and a half hours before she wakes up. So I'll, I'll still be working on the books in the morning quietly as we're during the holidays, and then uh, then we wake when she wakes up, we get up, and then my focus is on on us together as, as a couple and enjoying time together. And then you know, the next morning, I'll wake up early and write for a couple hours. So it's good. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, most people aren't. <laughs> but I can't wake up early. I made actually I make many plans. Every night I say tomorrow I'll <laughs> be out at seven. I'm going to walk. I'm going to exercise. No, it's nine. I'm still like groggy. <laughs> Now, see, for me, it's it's uh it's an unusual day when I don't see the sunrise. I really enjoy the sunrises in the in the uh, in the morning. So I uh, I have my cup of coffee, my pen and paper, and watch the sun come up, and it's kind of motivational, inspirational for me. You are inspiring me. So tomorrow we wake up. <laughs> tomorrow, <again. laughs> get up tomorrow. Good for you. <laughs> Very good. And Stephen, where can our listeners find you online? And your book, of course. Well, the books are, all my books are on Amazon um, around the world. So in paperback and Kindle. So wherever you, wherever you are in the world, uh, you can find the books. Um, Humany is, again, H-U-M-O-N-Y, Humany Leadership. Combines human, humanity, and harmony. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You'll find me uh, on Greater Los Angeles area because uh, that's where my company is still based. Uh, I've got a, a if people are interested in the content, um, I've got a, a lot of content on my YouTube channel. So just go to YouTube and, and search on Stephen Howard on leadership, or you can, it's youtube.com backstroke at Stephen Howard uh, on leadership. Um, I'm on Twitter under Stephen Howard. Um, yeah, most places. You, it shouldn't be too difficult to find me in social media. <laughs> yes, great. And I'll be following you as soon as we finish this interview. And Stephen, I would like to know that you will be featured on our magazine, The Relatable Voice, in January. So oh, um, outstanding. Outstanding. I love it. I'll be happy. Look forward to it. Yes, so even more people will be able to find you 
I wish I can go back to Mexico City and that you can come back with your co-author that you told me you were going to oh, publish. Yeah. We'd love to. Yeah, come down to Mexico City, visit me. And I'm, my my hope, desire is to visit Spain in the summer of 2023. So I may knock on your door and say, hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll be very happy to have you here. So Stephen, it was a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you. And good luck to you. Thank you for this wonderful podcast and what you're doing. And uh, I wish all your listeners continued success as uh, 2023 approaches soon. Gracias. Which is gracias. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply